Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Joined now by Taylor McGarg, former Rice quarterback, college football analyst, ESPN and CBS. And Taylor, uh, Matt Rule said yesterday, you know, he, he, I mean, we all knew this, but he's kind of the first coach to say it in the way that he said it about a quarterback, you know, a good quarterback in the portal costing a million, million and a half, two million dollars. When you hear that, do you think, man, did I ever play in the wrong era of college football? <laughs> you know, I saw Aaron Murray, uh, former Georgia quarterback, tweet. Uh, exactly that born in the wrong era um, I gotta be honest anybody I don't have any of your listeners uh, watch me play I, I don't know that it would have mattered nearly for me that much um, especially at you know a place like Rice but I, I will say uh, even all the way down to you know your group of five level and and when I was playing when we got pretty good there at the end I think there's definitely money that would have been great to have on the table and you would have made a little bit of extra cash um, I put a tweet out a couple of days ago about you know, how many guys end up in the portal and they don't find a home. And, and that is definitely, it's about a third of right now in the last year or so last year's class that went into the portal that they, they didn't land anywhere. Um, but the top level guys, and it's really quarterbacks and then especially your premier offensive and defensive linemen, um, they are getting really a staggering amount of cash. And what Matt Rule said is exactly right. It's, it's a lot of what we've heard. Um, there are a couple guys. Michael Pratt is one of them at Tulane. The, the, the lean, it sounds like, is that he will go pro. But if he were to test the portal, he would get, you know, north of a million dollars to go somewhere else. And I think it's possible he would end up close to $2 million. And it's uh, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks, last thing I'll say on it, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks and players that when they get that mid to late round grade, if you're that caliber of, of college talent, it makes a lot of sense to go back, get one more year, get paid, see if you can improve your draft stock. Because if you don't, well, then, heck, you just made a ton of money and you made more than you probably would have with your rookie signing bonus. Taylor, I'm just scratching the surface here, but Max Johnson, Blake Shapin, uh, let's see, Will Rogers, Will Howard. Uh, you've got Dante Moore now in the portal coming up. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, what's jumped out to you splash-wise from the quarterback perspective and, and those who are already putting their name in the portal? Yeah, Riley Leonard is interesting, uh, and he had the, the do-not-contact tag on his, so you wonder if that's if, he, if he's following Elko to A&M or is he, you know, the rumors that he's also very interested in Notre Dame. Uh, DJ Uyunglele goes in the portal today. I think that's a guy that, um, in a pro-style system, I think he would make a lot of sense for – Big Ten style teams, physical type teams. And then also Cam Ward to stay on the West Coast out of Washington State. It's been rumored that there's uh, multiple, more than five schools that are offering him more than a million dollars to come play for, for them. So uh, those are some of the names at the very top. But, you know, it goes all the way down. Uh, Rice, in the last couple of years, has gone out and got guys in the portal. 
JT Daniels has had a pretty good season for them. He's moving on. They'll go to do that again. And you just see the trickle down from the, the, the top level quarterbacks at the top programs. It goes all the way down. There's been a handful of schools that you see every one of their quarterbacks at certain schools enter the portal. I think Indiana had a few. Uh, basically, anytime your coach leaves, by and large, you're seeing multiple quarterbacks and a lot of the skill players go in the portal as well. All right, Taylor, it's championship week. Uh, we have potential chaos in the playoff like maybe we've never had before. And this is the last year where it will be this chaotic because the 12-team playoff comes to uh, release us from our strain next year. I'll start with this hypothetical. If Florida State wins but wins ugly, does the committee have any justification of keeping them out? The, the justification – in any normal season, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But the justification, the key that we heard from, from the committee on Tuesday night's show – was that their responsibility is to put the four best teams in, not the four most deserving teams. And by that logic, you could see a scenario where if Texas goes and blows the doors off of Oklahoma State, let's say they win by four touchdowns, and Louisville takes Florida State to overtime, it's an ugly game, there's some turnovers, the offense looks poor, similar to what we saw from Florida a week ago. In any normal scenario in all of the years prior to this season, you would say it doesn't matter. It's an undefeated Power 5 team. You put them in. But this season, based on that logic that the committee shared and that Texas has, it would be a one-loss Power 5 champion with a win over Alabama on the road, there is a world and a scenario where you could see the committee shock the world and and put Texas in. Now, do I think they're going to do that? No, I don't. I think if Florida State wins, I think they're in. But it leaves enough of a, a, a door cracked with how they phrased that that you could talk through a scenario like this and leave it. You know, there still is a little bit of drama regardless of if Florida State wins out. I agree. Taylor, which of those matchups, uh, I guess, would it be Florida State that you're most on the lookout for as far as the Power 5 championship games and, and upset? Well, you know, Oregon-Washington is, is going to be, I guess, a headliner of sort. Which one stands out to you as, as you're most looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I think you know, it's interesting that Oregon is almost a 10-point favorite over Washington. It leads me to believe I've heard a couple different people talk about this, and I think I agree that uh, is Michael Penix hurt? Is he banged up some that you that sort of under the surface that you just they're not reporting or talking about? Um, I think very interested in seeing how Michigan looks against Iowa because Iowa tries to make it look ugly against everybody, and I know it's a 24-point spread. But still, if that game is, is close in the second half, don't be surprised because it's still an elite defense. It would not shock me if that's still a one-score game in the second half. And then, yeah, obviously the night game, um, I guess you tie it to the Big 12 championship. If you're a Texas fan, you're looking at two things. Number one, obviously you'd love to see Louisville go beat Florida State. But you're also wanting to see how that game looks to give yourself a glimmer of hope where even if Florida State wins, if it's ugly, if there's several turnovers, if it's a sloppy-style game, certainly late, that's where if Texas wins big, you give yourself a glimmer of hope. Uh, but out of all of those, yes, the one that I have circled the most is the ACC championship because I think, the one, I think that's the game that could introduce the most chaos. Uh, that and, obviously, if Alabama goes and beats Georgia, now you've got a – you open – a ton of scenarios on does the committee try and get two SEC teams in regardless of how everything else plays out. Although uh, you could make the argument, Taylor, if Alabama does beat Georgia, they could eliminate the SEC from the playoff. 
I don't know that. I think the SEC champion would get in. I think Alabama, if they go beat Georgia, I think they're in. Uh, what I think it really does is, if the SEC, you give them all of this credit for their the strength of the conference, but Texas goes and beats your. If, if again, if Alabama were to win, now you have to give Texas that credit as well. They they went to Alabama, one on the road. And that's a scenario where it also helps Texas. Let's say you go through the exact same scenario we talked about with Texas. If they were to win big over Oklahoma State, Florida State wins ugly, and Bama beats Georgia. Now Texas fans are saying, we've got a win over the SEC champion, and look how well we've played down the stretch when when Quinn Ewers has been healthy. Again, if they win big over Oklahoma State, and they just blew the doors off of Texas Tech. So, there's a lot of storylines going into this last weekend. And, Paul, you led off with this at the beginning. This would have been an incredible 12-team playoff season. It would have been perfect. And anybody that tells you that the 12-team playoff is going to uh, limit the importance of late games in, in November, they're wrong. You're going to have more games that are important to more teams because it doesn't mean undefeated Ohio State and Michigan that that game is any less important. There's still going to be seen. There's still going to be first round buys at stake. It's also going to impact common wins, common losses for other teams that are in the hunt. And most importantly, it keeps teams in the hunt for the 12 team playoff well after they've had one and two losses. And that's what the sport has been missing. You have a loss in the first part of the season. And in a lot of cases, it's over. You're out of it, especially once you get to that second loss, you're out of the running. I think it's going to keep teams relevant you'll have more relevant games down the stretch. You're a resident American Athletic Conference expert, so a two-part question here for you. Uh, First of all, your thoughts on the championship game. Tulane, SMU, a bummer about Preston Stone and the injury there for the Mustangs. That really stinks, but uh, what what are your thoughts on that contest? And also, the fact that uh, there's a couple of big-time names, including Tulane's head coach there and Willie Fritz and UTSA's Jeff Trailer that are rumored to be the hot candidates for that open Houston Cougars job now. So your thoughts on, on that scenario or that situation and, um, and obviously the, the championship game, as I mentioned, as well. Yeah, well, you nailed it with Preston Stone being out. I mean, that is, that is massive. SMU, Preston Stone was hurt for the second half against Rice in the middle of the season, and they struggled. Kevin Jennings, backup quarterback, they did not look, and you would expect that, right? They didn't look nearly as sharp on offense. And that Tulane defense, I think they've got by far the best front seven, or certainly the front four, best front four at the group of five level. And there are a lot of power five schools that would like to have the defensive line that Tulane has. And you saw that show up against UTSA in the last week of the regular season. Forced five turnovers. And a lot of that, the issues that they caused for Frank Harris, they're going to try and do the exact same thing to Jennings for SMU. I think Tulane wins this game. If Preston Stone had been playing – honestly may have flipped it just based on that alone and, and given SMU the nod because they've been so dominant on the offensive side. But having your backup quarterback in, having to go play on the road, I, I do not think they've got enough firepower with him at quarterback to beat Tulane. I think Tulane wins. And then there's your group of five representative again in a New Year's Six Bowl. And then the other piece on the Houston head job, I don't, I don't think Houston could go wrong with either one of these choices. And, and the reason I say that, these are two proven program builders. And that's what Houston needs. They need somebody that can come in and run a full program. You can't, U of H doesn't have the resources in the NIL game to go out and just buy and overhaul their roster. 
And both of these guys, especially Willie Fritz, you go back to his resume, he's been a head coach for a long time. Going back all the way to when he was in his JUCO days, every stop that he's been at, he wins. And I think he would have the patience at a place like Houston, do it the right way, build up culture. Jeff Trailer would be the exact same thing. I think he's a master motivator. Both of those guys, either one of them, I think would be a home run hire for Houston and major ties to the Texas High School Coaches Association, which uh, I think that's also an area that they could have been better at. Do most Rice fans, when asked about a Houston coach, say, I don't care who it is as long as he sucks? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in this day and age, uh, not being in the same conference, I think uh, I'm glad that they're still playing that game. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how much thought either one of those teams give to one another. Um, I think it would be great. I would pull for either one of those teams, and I love Dana as well, but I would pull for either one of those guys in Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer. We've had both of them this season. They're, they're really uh, a joy to talk to, and you can tell their kids love them. And for Houston, again, I'll, I'll say it again, I don't think Houston could go wrong if they took either one of those guys. Any thoughts on Jake Spavital, uh, pegged as the OC hire for Dave Aranda and Baylor? Aranda's clearly going into a, a hottest as, as hot can get seat type of a year. I mean, it's it's do or die time. Uh, but he turned into Spavital, who's very familiar with the state, as you know. But your thoughts on on that pivot there? Yeah, I, to be honest. I'm surprised with some of the names that were available out there this year and what looks like is available and uh, specifically the last two we talked about with Fritz and Trailer. i got to be honest, I'm surprised that Baylor held on to Aranda for one more season. But the way that they look this year, the way the recruiting looks coming in behind him, uh, the portal support in Waco right now, man, I thought that they would move on. And does, how much does Spab really make a difference? Obviously a good offensive mind. I think some of the issues that they had when he was at Texas State really more had to do with his belief in not recruiting at the high school level. Uh, under Aranda, he's not running the show in that regard. Um, but I do know this. Baylor fans have about had it. I think there's there's zero patience left. And if they start out poor, don't be surprised next season if Coach Aranda doesn't make it to the midway mark. Because, again, from what I understood from that situation, I was surprised to see him come back this season. We, you know, we were a little bit until the last two weeks. It just felt like they weren't going to make you could. It just wasn't nothing was going on that would indicate they were making a change. In which, which was, and again, yeah, which is strange. Yeah. And again, I, anytime a, a staff or university, excuse me, doesn't move on from the staff, I always wonder about what other initiatives does the university have? that they're, you've only got so much capital and cash that you can allocate. I'm not sure what Coach Aranda's buyout is, but did it make sense right now to go spend that money and were there other things that they needed to spend that money on? And I'm not, you guys would know that better than I would, but the way that it looked in October and the way that the mood around that building felt, I thought they were going to move on from him, um, but they obviously didn't. And I love Coach Aranda, would love to see him get it turned around, but Similar to how it honestly felt very similar to how U of H fans were talking about Dana. You just didn't see any support or hear of any support from the people that mattered, and then also from fans around the program. And so that's why, again, I, I was surprised to see him be retained. Taylor, what are you doing a game this week, or you get to sit back and enjoy? Oh yeah, I am uh, doing the FCS playoffs. I've got the number one seed South Dakota State Jackrabbits. So. Sweet. Uh, if you or any of your listeners 
have dinner recommendations in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, please send them my way. <laughs> I have never been there, so neither have I. <laughs> no, so hey, it's that's cool, unique trip, and that's yeah. some good football too. I'm fired up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fired up. It's been a long time since they lost. Uh, the season opener of 2022 against Iowa and a seven to three loss was their last, uh, last game that they dropped, but that's a good football team. They're playing Mercer and look, these FCS, anybody that follows the FCS, the playoffs are so fun. There's so much emotion and energy at these games. And uh, I've got this one and then one more, and then that'll be it for me, but I'm fired up to get up there. Taylor McCarg, enjoy Sioux Falls dress warm. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Taylor McCarg with us. He's got the FCS playoffs, uh, ESPN and CBS College Football Analyst. This has been a Rogue Media Network 